hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to in real life with evan halperin i am evan halperin it's gonna be a really fun episode for me at least and i hope for you guys we're gonna be talking about the 2024 candidates for president and the republicans right now have 11 the democrats have three and i believe they only have three and then we're including biden in this because um president biden already potentially most popular president of all time that's what the democrats claim he had 81 million votes for president and um fairest most free election of all time no voter fraud went on none at all in fact completely completely fair and free 81 million votes for him and i believe that the democrats just want to kind of get out of the way and just push everybody behind him except for two people who we'll talk about later on and then I want to go through the, the polling numbers currently, and I want to key in on a couple key people, in my opinion, a couple new people running for president that haven't before, and then I will be voting in 2024. I want to key in specifically on this one guy that right now I believe I will be voting for, and by the way, get out there and vote, because if you, you don't vote, you can't complain. First off, obviously, Donald Trump. Right now, he, he looks to be polling based on most sources at about 50%. I don't have a problem with Donald Trump. I, I like Donald Trump. However, I do not think that he is the best candidate. The reason that he will look like the best candidate in some of the debates is because he will do what he did last debate and debates prior to that where he kind of talks over people, has some funny moments, has some really great moments. And some of the Republicans will lie down and take it. And that's why I don't think that some of these people will win. And that's why I think that Donald Trump could potentially be the Republican candidate. Like him or hate him. It's just kind of what the guy does. Is He's, he's very brash. Tells it how it is. And that's just how it is. And uh, next we have Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley is... I believe the only female Republican candidate running as of right now. She was the 116th governor of South Carolina. And she has some smart things that she has said. She's not huge, but most people do know who she is. I do not believe that she will gain any real footing just because she has not many appealing things about here. And, but she also doesn't have too many unappealing things about her. She's kind of just in the middle. I, I agree with a lot of what she says, but to me, there are just other people who are much more enticing. We also have former Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey showing out, putting on putting on a show for everybody. And I, I like him just because he was Governor of New Jersey. Um, he, he stopped being Governor of New Jersey before I really got into politics, so I don't know much about how he did in New Jersey. He is 60 years old, so he's getting up there, and he hasn't done anything. He got absolutely crushed in the past elections. And I like a lot of what the guy has done, but there was Bridgegate, and there was a bunch of other stuff that I don't think will really help him. However, I think him just being in the race will hurt Trump because as we talked about Trump, dude's a brash guy, tells it like it is. And Chris Christie is, is up there in weight. 
and Trump has already made some some fat jokes about Chris Christie, and I think that will hurt Donald Trump. There are people that will only vote for Trump, and there are people that will never vote for Trump, but the people in the middle will be off-put, I believe, because fat jokes are not what we need in a political climate. We also have Perry Johnson. Now, Perry Johnson is a old guy, 75 years old. He's getting up there, but he is pretty new in the political aspect of, of things. He's a businessman and an author, and he wrote his most prominent book called Two Cents to Save America. And what this plan is, is, and he, he says it in his website, Perry Johnson has a plan to save America. Together we can put Washington on a diet. We can afford to live again. So what, what the Two Cents to Save America plan is, is he wants to cut two cents off of every dollar of spending in the government. And that is possible. He lays out a, a plan to do that. However, he, in my opinion, will gain no footing whatsoever, so I really don't think it matters. He has some pretty good education. He seems to be pretty well-spoken. However, he's just kind of like your average old white dude, to be honest with you. Next, we have Larry Elder. Now, Larry Elder is a guy who, very, very good candidate, very amazing candidate, actually. He's 71. He, the dude looks like he's 50. He's a man of color. He hosts the conservative talk show the Larry Elder Show, and he got a lot bigger in kind of the owning libtards era. So for, for some of you who don't know, there was a time on YouTube where popular videos of leftists getting owned um, or getting roasted or just kind of being shut up were was, was – it was growing – this movement became very prominent, and he had some very good moments of this. Now, I don't – those moments, they were fun. They were – they are still fun. They're funny to look at, and they have it on both sides. Don't get me wrong. But they're not really good for the political discourse just because they don't do anything. Uh, and they put people down, which I don't have any real problem with. Sometimes that's a bad thing, but some of the times it's not. He is, he is very smart. He's very well-spoken. He's a, he's a man of color, which will probably get some of the identity politics to vote for him, which, I mean, I disagree, but whatever. But the dude is 71, so I, I have a, some, a little bit of a problem, we'll say, of these 70 and 80-year-olds running, and that's why – that's some of the reason I don't like Trump. He's an old guy. Now, they might be spry. They might look good. They might be in – perfect health, but thing is, when you get older, your health goes down, and more likely to die, and you and I, we, we vote for presidents, we don't vote for vice presidents, so I don't need the vice president taking over, right, I, I want the president, I want the guy I voted for, I put behind, I believe that the great majority of the Democrats don't want Kamala as president. They might say they do because they don't want to be seen as racist or sexist or yada, yada, yada. But they voted for Biden, some of them. Free and fair election, ladies and gentlemen. Free and fair. Some of them voted for Biden, right? And I believe that they want Biden. So the people that voted for Biden, I think, wanted Biden. They, they don't want Biden now because he sucks. He's a horrible president. And they're paying $30 for milk. That's a little bit of a hyperbole, but you get my point. So, so next up, we have this guy, Asa Hutchinson. 
He's also 72, old white guy. I'm just saying white as a descriptor because I don't have a video up yet. But he's an old white guy, and he was the governor of Arkansas. He was. He's not now. He was a U.S. attorney, U.S. congressman, and he was in the cabinet in the George W. Bush administration. He's just kind of your typical conservative. Nothing much to say about him. A guy I want to key in on here is, is, my, is Tim Scott. He's a United States senator. And recently, two days ago, he went on The View, and he had a, a really good a really good discussion, which happened mostly within himself, because the people in The View are idiots. No, the, the hosts of The View are idiots. Not Tim Scott. Tim Scott, very well-spoken, very smart. And he is a senator. He's from South Carolina. And I believe that this is a guy that could go far. I believe that if he's well-spoken and he morphs some of his ideas to be a little bit more popular and a little bit more well-rounded, he could go far. However, I believe he will get rolled over by Trump. And that's the problem with most of these candidates that are are good or slash popular is that they are going to be too polite. And you, you will see this in the clip. Tim Scott interrupts the view uh, a view host because a view host interrupts him. And he says, oh, let's be polite. I know you like to be polite. I have a civil discourse, yada, yada, yada. Trump doesn't care about any of that. And that's one of the things that puts people off. But that means he gets more airtime. He gets to speak more. But we're going we're gonna to go ahead. We're going to watch. And this is on Tim Scott's own YouTube account that I'm going to play for you guys. It's called Tim Scott, The View. Yesterday's exception is today's rule. It's on his own YouTube account. You can go. It's just called Tim Scott. And it's talking about how he is a black senator. And it's talking about how he is not the exception. So you'll hear. Think about, and one of the reasons why I'm on the show is because of the comments that were made, frankly, on this show, that the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule. That is a dangerous, offensive disgusting message to send to our young people today that the only way to succeed is by being the exception i agree and i agree that is for every race not just black people i will tell you that if my life is the exception uh, i can't imagine i can't but it is but it's not actually here's here's it's been 114 years yeah so so the fact of the matter is we've had an african-american president african-american uh, Vice President, we've had two African Americans to be Secretaries of the State uh, in my home city. Uh, the police chief is an African American who's now running for mayor. The head of the Highway Patrol for South Carolina is an African American. Still in, 19, in 1975, um, there was about 15 percent employment in the African American community. For so he said 50, not 15. A little hard to hear. But that is all true. There are a bunch of prominent Black leaders in society. And they are not the exception because there isn't enough of them. Now, you might say there are more white people in prominent roles in society, more, more leaders. Now, I may disagree. I may agree with you. However, the fact of the matter is there are also more white people in society in America. So, odds are there will be a couple more white leaders. But as he said, Barack Obama was a black president and his, he got more than 50% of the popular vote, ladies and gentlemen. And I agree with the, the title of the video. I believe that yesterday's exception is today's rule. I love seeing people of color in leading roles. I love seeing everybody in leading roles if I like you enough. People like former Vice President Biden, I dislike. And he is white.
First time in the history of the country, it's under 5%. 40% homelessness and 50% of African-Americans. 50% of the folks yet, in our community. Yet 13% of the population. You have a ask the question. I've watched you on the show. So what she was saying there was that 40% of African-Americans are homeless compared to the 100% of people that are homeless, despite being 13% of the population, which I, I don't believe that's an accurate statistic. I couldn't find that anywhere. She wasn't saying 40% of African-Americans are homeless just because he started to talk over her a little bit there. You like people to be deferential and respectful, so I'm going to do the that same thing. That is true. So here's what I'm going but to suggest. But there he goes. I'm going to suggest. He says, you like people to be respectful. Trump doesn't really care. Now, I believe that Trump values respect. However, in a debate setting, he will talk over you, no matter what. You can be saying the smartest thing in the world, Trump will talk over you. The fact of the matter is he, he kind of likes to hear his own voice. And so I think that will be the downfall of some people in, this, in these upcoming debates. The fact of the matter is that progress in America is palpable. It can be measured in generations. I look back at the fact that my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, when he was on a, on a sidewalk, a white person was coming, he had to step off and not make eye contact. That man believed then, with some doubt now, in the goodness of America, because he believed that having faith in God, mm -hmm. faith in himself, and faith in what the future could hold for his kids would unleash opportunities in ways that you, you cannot imagine. Every kid today can look, just change the station to see how much... So I'm going to stop him real quick, because I, I agree with everything he's saying. I just want to back his points up a little bit more. No, he's absolutely correct. You can see progress in generations from the ending of slavery, that was a while ago, to the ending of Jim Crow laws, to interracial marriage, and everything leading up to now. Things are getting better for every race, and that includes black people. And he gives his own anecdotal story of his grandfather. Very smart man. Made in this country. ABC, NBC, CBS, ESPN, CNN, Fox News all have... African-American and Hispanic hosts. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. Now what he says about the African-American and Hispanic hosts, absolutely correct, and they should be hosts. Now I disagree with what they say, but if they're good at what they do, there's no reason why they can't be hosts, and there's no reason why it can't be a rule that they are hosts. And what I mean by a rule is that they aren't the exception. And for us to so suggest... America has met its promise. No, of course, the concept of America is that we are going to become a more perfect union, but in fact... What promise did America make? What promise did they make? It's America's free for everybody. There's no doubt about that. America is free for everybody. Everybody is equal here until they prove that they aren't, such as criminals. The challenges that we face... 50 years ago and 60 years ago should not be the same challenges that we face today. And here's a way that you, you measure that. When my mother was born, about 10% of African Americans got a high school degree, wow. diploma. Today is over 90%. When you look at the income, when you look at the income success that That's we've had. That's HBCU stat. Well, listen, HBCU stat is a good okay. one because one of the reasons why I took the funding for HBCUs to the highest level in the history of the country and then I helped make it permanent is because I believe that education is the closest thing to magic in America. So I'm about... HBCU is historically black colleges and universities, by the way. So he took that stat from a historically black 
college and universities, which is a department of education kind of subgroup. Making sure that our kids have as many opportunities to succeed as possible. So one of the reasons why I need an opportunity to succeed. Whoopi Goldberg starts talking. I have to immediately end the clip. I'm sorry. I don't don't want to hear your voice, Whoopi. Do not want to hear your voice. Just don't want to hear it. Not right now. And hopefully not ever. But that's Tim Scott. I, I like him. Very well spoken. And I believe that if he does things right, he will go far. Mike Pence is running. Nothing really needs to be said about the guy. We know him. I don't really care about him. I'm indifferent to him, to be quite honest. And we got a guy named Doug Burnham, the governor of North Dakota. And he has been since 2016. He seems to be a pretty okay guy. Another guy, pretty well-spoken. Uh, he has, he's been in politics, and he is pretty smart. He graduated Stanford uh, School of Business and Stanford University, so he will help the economy, I believe, and he has some okay plan to do so. But he's just a little bit too small, too unknown. I don't think he will really make that many of strides. And that rounds out all but one who we will talk about. Uh, and Ron DeSantis. I, I apologize. I skipped over Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is also running. We have talked about him. I, nothing needs to be said. I would enjoy him as, as a president. And I would enjoy him as a governor. And I would enjoy him doing pretty much anything in the political scope. Um, we will go back and we will talk about who I personally feel like I will most likely be voting for. Vivek Ramas. Uh, Ramaswamy, sorry, kind of butchered that a little bit, Vivek Ramaswamy. However, NBC posted this article that was about the candidates, and it had some people in the mix, and people ruled out. So the people in the mix, it said for the Republicans, John Bolton, Christy Noem, Liz Cheney, Glenn Youngkin, and Francis Suarez, none of whom I really care about. Uh, they can run, but they will lose. And then ruled out is Chris Sanu- Sanuanu. Don't know how to say that. I'm not going to lie. Josh Hawley, Mike Pompeo, Rick Scott, and Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz should not run. I'm glad he is ruled out. Would he be a good president? Potentially. However, he's much better as a senator leading hearings and making stupid people look stupid. So the incumbent president, Joe Biden, for the Democrats, is first. And then Marianne Williamson, who is... An author, and she's the political candidate. She doesn't have any previous political experience. And I haven't done that much research on her because, again, she will lose to Biden. And then we have Robert Franklin Kennedy Jr., I believe is Robert Francis. I apologize, Robert Francis. And by the way, Marianne Williamson is. 70 years old, and Robert Frank, uh, Francis Kennedy Jr. is 70, 69 years old. And he's a Kennedy. We know about him. Son of the Attorney General and the Senator. Nephew of a President. He's an environmental lawyer and writer. And he has promoted anti-vaccine propaganda, according to Wikipedia. He is... A Democrat, I would say, is a little bit more of a free thinker. 
than someone like President Biden. But I don't believe he will win. And the reason I don't believe he will win and I don't believe Marianne Williamson will win is because Biden will refuse to debate these people. He will refuse to debate them because he will get crushed. But if he doesn't debate them, then they can't make him look stupid. Although he does that by himself. So honestly, I believe the Democrat Party is kind of up for grabs right now. But it is also still being led by President Biden and the people behind the scenes who are leading President Biden. And President Biden is just kind of bleh. So, currently polling, Trump seems to be leading by most places. He's up at around 50, 53. Some places have him 40, high 40s. DeSantis, most places have him down about 20%, 25%. Pence is actually third currently in some places, and I would say most, followed by Nikki Haley. And the guy I like, Vivek Ramaswamy. And I really like Vivek Ramaswamy. He had a a really good town hall where he talked about the things he would do first. The first day, his first day as presidency. We're going to listen to that. I, I really like this guy. I, I enjoy what he has to say. I enjoy how he sounds. I enjoy how he puts things. We're going to look at his Twitter. And he is actually the first millennial, eh, millennial candidate to run for president on either side. And while that's not a pro or con for him necessarily, I, I do believe that is a pro for the system because means we're getting some fresh blood in there. We're getting some new ideas in there. It's not these old guys. And I've talked about that, and that, that was specifically to lead up to he is the first, Vivek is the first millennial candidate. These old people kind of need to be pushed out a little bit. We don't allow old people to do too much else, but they run our country. And they, they're okay at running our country sometimes, most of the time, I would say. They, they're okay at it. You know, they didn't do anything too horrible. But we don't really allow old people to do too much else they're kind of supposed to be retired you know go go to your home go watch jeopardy at night go go to sleep at eight now someone like trump someone like larry elder even someone like tim scott these guys they can run our country they're capable of it but why don't we try to push some young blood in the mix as well and just give people options you know what i mean so we're going to listen to this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy. Here we go. The first set of things that I like to do are the things that you can just do by the stroke of a pen. Okay? I didn't raise space to affirmative action. First thing, Lyndon Johnson created it. It's an order. We can easily cross that out. I, I like that. And race-based affirmative action. Race-based affirmative action is racist. It gives unfair advantages to people of color. And it's not just black people, it's just all people of color. It takes away from Asians, it takes away from whites. Actually, Asians are discriminated against in the highest colleges or the Ivy Leagues because there are just too many of them. And so the Ivy say, we don't want you, even if you have the best scores, we need diversity. And you do need diversity, but you also do need the best scores. So I, I agree, race-based affirmative action is a no-no. Push Trump's people on why they didn't do it. They said it was a political hill they didn't want to die on. I'm not afraid of that one. 
Ooh, we got a little sizzler there, folks. He's taking a taking a go at Trump and and Trump's people, and I I completely agree. Trump said he would try to do some stuff to end race-based affirmative action, and he didn't. And that's a weird thing to say that that's not a hill you want to die on because it's kind of up to the president. You can you can do some stuff by yourself without Congress's approval, and that's what Vivek is talking about: doing all these things without Congress approval on the first day, and then going from there. And these things, he says, will make real change. I'll issue an executive order saying we're done mandating the measurement of carbon measurement, carbon emission measurements anywhere through the bureaucracy. That shows up through multiple federal agencies. That's part of how we unshackle the U.S. energy sector. I would streamline the permitting process for new drilling or fracking projects, something that holds back the U.S. energy sector again. I would also unveil... So... He is absolutely an American first type of person. He wants to undo all these all these laws, all these regulations that kind of reel in the American energy sector and other sectors like that. And I agree with that. I, I agree we should do that. Is that a thing we should do on the first day? Vivek does think so. Make up your own mind. Release some of the I should say, some of the corruption that the public deserves to see. Anytime a government bureaucrat over the last several years has pressured a private company to take an action that the government couldn't take directly, censorship, stopping the lending to fave sectors like fossil fuels, I'll issue an executive order that demands that we at least publish that information so that the public can see it. Roll that log over, see what crawls out, Transparency is the first step to fixing corruption. Seems pretty sensible. If there's something the government couldn't do, but a government bureaucrat was able to do it, and there was some sneaky tactics used on either side, yeah, let the people know. The people will choose what is right for the people. And, yeah. I'd also pardon anyone whose prosecution was because of a politically motivated reason. That is to say that if normal people would not have been charged for that same crime, but an individual was charged, we have to actually set that record straight. I mean, even Julian Assange, I think, fits that description. So I've identified that as a bipartisan issue or an issue that's beyond partisanship. So I really like this, and I think that he pointed out that it was an issue that was beyond partisanship. Julian Assange is an Australian editor, and he founded WikiLeaks, and because he founded WikiLeaks, he was prosecuted for some stuff that he shouldn't have been prosecuted for, because uh, because the government probably doesn't like WikiLeaks because they leak information, and he remains in a prison in London, and he's appealing against his extradition to the United States to face charges of espionage and computer hacking. But I agree, and he actually is, he's not self-considered, um, but I would, I would say he's a little bit to the left of the aisle, and I agree that he should be pardoned. Somebody that I would pardon. These are things that you can actually do on day one to set a cultural tone for the country. I'm not claiming that those are the most important things to get done, but what I am claiming is that there are things a president can do that are quick, 
deliver real positive change. And then the last two that I would that I would set into motion without asking Congress for permission or forgiveness is to take our military and station them at the border, the southern border, and increasingly the northern border as well. If we can use our military to protect somebody else's border halfway around the world, I think we can and should use our military to secure our own border. That's a great point, Vivek. That's a terrific point. We are in other countries. We were in other countries. We were in Afghanistan. We pushed back the Taliban out of their own country. Basically, the United States was in charge of Afghanistan. And then we set up an Afghanistan government. But we were basically in charge of Afghanistan. And then we left. But we secured the Afghanistan border while the Taliban was inside. The group the Taliban was not inside. It was Taliban members that were inside. If we can do that across the ocean in another continent, why can't we do that here? That's something that the U.S. president can actually do. There's no reason. And we solved the fentanyl crisis in the process. A lot of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. don't like that idea. What I say is if I'm the U.S. president and can't work for the federal government for more than eight years, then I'll also sign an executive order for the people who report into me saying that none of those federal bureaucrats can work for the government for more than eight years either. Replace those civil service protections with term limits instead. I do like that. I would not say I'm a huge proponent of that, but I do like the idea of term limits. Now, should it be eight years? Maybe not. It probably, in my opinion, should be a little bit longer. But I agree that bureaucrats should definitely have a limit. Get some new blood in there. Get some new ideas in there. Because this is something, actually, that I got from my father, and I I agree with this very much. Very, very smart man. If you're in government for 50 years and you haven't done what you wanted to, you're not going to do what you want to. It's not going to work. Get out. Let somebody else try. Get out. I think that's how we ensure fresh lifeblood comes into government rather than an entitled, ossified, bureaucratic state. That's day one. That's day one, ladies and gentlemen. Everything he said there, completely sensible, completely reasonable, very well enunciated. Enunciated? Enunciated. All around, very well-rounded. So, Vivek Ganapathy Ramaswimi, Ramas, Ramas, eh, I'm butchering this today. I'm sorry, folks. Vivek Ganapathy Ramaswimi, Ramaswami, Ramaswami. I apologize. I apologize to Vivek for butchering his name. Very smart guy, 37 years old, born in Cincinnati, Ohio. And very smart. Went to Harvard, went to Yale, Yale Law School, graduated from private St. Xavier High School. And he said some very smart things. He said some smart things in the video. He said even more smart things than that. He said, call me a non-white nationalist, which I really like. Because when you say the word nationalist, especially in kind of an attacking way for Americans... That, that means a bad thing. It usually means kind of racist, something like that. But he's not, ladies and gentlemen. He's not. And so his top three tweets, from four hours ago, he, he said truths. And then he, he put a list of seven things. And we're going to go down. We're going to read them. We're going to discuss them. So number one, God is real. That's kind of iffy, in my opinion. 
maybe he is, maybe he's not. Uh, this is not this is not going to turn into a religious a religious podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is not going to do that. If he believes God is real, fine. I have no problem with that. I, if he believed God wasn't real, no problem with that. Number two, there are two genders. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a biological fact. Three, human flourishing requires fossil fuels. As of right now, it does. As of right now, it does. And so that's what he was talking about, about opening up the energy sector, opening up the fossil fuel sector. We need to do that because that is how we flourish currently. And that actually will help us become more reliant on self-sustainable energy, water energy, sun energy, by experimenting with these things while also being able to fall back on fossil fuels. Four, reverse racism is racism. Unfortunately, reverse racism doesn't exist. It's just racism. Five, an open border is no border. And this he's a very strong proponent of border security, and he's absolutely correct with this. An open border is no border. Now, yes, the line is imaginary. However, there is a line, and there is a line for a reason. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would rather we be more like Mexico, go to Mexico. If you would rather we be more like Canada, where they're having wildfires... Now, nothing wrong with them having wildfires. They're just doing it. And I'm saying that because as I'm looking outside, very smoky outside today, because smoke from the wildfires has actually come over down the East Coast. It's in Pennsylvania. It's where I am in New Jersey. It's almost everywhere down the East Coast. But if you want to go to Canada, or if you want the United States to be more like Canada, go to Canada. There are borders for a reason. Like it or not. Number six, parents determine the education of their children. Parents also determine to not determine the education of their children, meaning if you send your child to public school, which I'm currently in, then, and you don't trust your child to report back to you like I do to my parents, talk about the things that are stupid, talk about the things that are fun, then you are, you are distancing yourself from the education. But they absolutely do. They determine the education of their children. And that is why we have these parrots walking around. And they don't really know anything, but they heard their mom say that Kamala is good. So they think Kamala is good. And then seven, the nuclear family is the greatest form of government known to man. Yeah, I would I would agree with that for the most part. I care about the people around me. There's an emergency going on in Canada like there is the wildfires right now. And if it's looking to spread across, come to New Jersey, I care about my family. I care about my close, close friends. I care about my circle. And notice how I said first, I care about my family. And I do consider my closest friends to be family. But those that, that set group of people, I care about the most. We are our own little government almost. So I agree, the greatest form of governments known to man is the nuclear family. Yes, I agree. And another tweet, affirming a kid's confusion is compassion, it's cruelty. Trans is a mental health illness and should be treated as such protect our kids. Yes, absolutely. Nothing that he said there was even the slightestly untrue. Considering yourself trans is a mental illness and I feel for you. I can't really imagine looking in the mirror and not seeing what I want to see. However, that doesn't mean that boys can be girls or girls can be boys. And that goes back to number two on his list. There are two genders. He has some books. 
Woke Inc., Nation of Victims. He has actually two books called Woke Inc. And he has Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Joke. And another book called Woke Inc. Uh, sometimes this book of the year. He also has Capital Punishment, How Wall Street is Using Your Money to Cheat. Or sorry, How Wall Street is Using Your Money to Create a Country You Didn't Vote For. And Nation of Victims, Identity Politics, The Death of Merit, and The Path Back to Excellence. And then again, Woke Inc. Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam. I believe, uh, yes, Social Justice Scam. And a Sudden Day Times business book of the year so that is that is vivek Ramisway. i really like this guy i believe he's well spoken and i hope he stays around and i hope i can vote for him ladies and gentlemen thank you for sticking around with me it's been awesome today being able to talk get some of my thoughts out i have an, a gmail it's in real life at gmail.com if you want to hear me talk about another candidate focus in on a candidate or talk about any issue please email me there talk to me reach out and yeah thank you very much ladies and gentlemen have a good day